Good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It's a beautiful day outside. I hope it's a beautiful day by you. I heard that in the Northeast, you're expecting storms. You're having storms. Let me know. Um, I want everybody safe. Everybody should be toasty warm. Everybody should be excited and grateful of having the blessing, the great bracha of shelter. There are so many who do not experience the bracha of shelter. I wasn't sure I was going to do a show today. I don't know why. Things have felt so choppy, aware. You know, I go through this kind of summer summer shakes where I find that from the time the Yomim Noorim come, the high holy days, Lord, I hate that term, high holy days. It's just so bad. Um, kind of anemic. But from then until it takes us through Shavuos. And then it takes us through. We even get to, we get to Lagba Omer. We even make it to Tisha B'Av. And then this Pilug, a chasm, a chasm where I very frequently feel untethered, left to my own spiritual devices. And so I was grateful to see last night some Chabadnik posted posted on my wall. It was yesterday, so today was be 30, 37 days until Rosh Hashanah. And I was so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. What would I do without that tethering, without that Luach, Luach Ivri, that Hebrew calendar that really tethers us heart and soul to heaven? Um can't remember what I called this show on Facebook with the announcements, but I think that I was really jolted by that 30, it was 38 days and today's 37 days because I know personally I need it. And then I thought, well, how can I do a show? I don't really have anything to do a show about because it just feels so darn summery. And then I thought, my goodness, we need to prep for the prep. For the prep, um, Rabbi, when uh, I'm just looking at this, um, you know, Rabbi um, Salanter um, wrote a book, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Uh, I can't tell you the date. Writing myself a note, look it up, put it on a post. And there was a wonderful, wonderful book of essays called 13 Midot. And Midot is such a rich Hebrew word because it's really all about traits, but positive traits, positive personality traits. And there are 13 Midot, positive traits, according to Rabbi Salanter, that if we would focus our energies on these 13 Midot, and I can't don't have them in front of me now. This is not going to be a whole lesson here. Um, it would really alter our lives immeasurably. And so with the referring to the midah, the the trait of tzedek, which translates to righteousness, and all of you who are scholars of pull up a chair know that we have actually pulled apart the word tzedek 
Tzadi Dalid Kuf, to really get to the root of the meaning. But let's leave it at righteousness now. And Rabbi Salanter reminds us of the advice from Hillel. And we know that Hillel says, um, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow man. What is really being said here in our prep for the prep show? If you wish to be just to your fellow man, start by giving in and giving up. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the weeks to come. We will soon find out, or you will soon find out, I will certainly find out, that the greatest source of lasting happiness is not taking away from others, but giving up, not cheating, but helping, not looking to feather your own nest for your own pleasure, but reaching out in order to please others. By practicing generosity, not jealousy. And those who love and practice justice are righteous and their conscience is clear. I just love that. To be betzedek. And it's so simple. You don't need a graduate degree. No extra schooling. No essays required. Just to be betzedek. Um, with us this morning, this evening, depending on where you're listening in from, we have the U.S. with us, East Coast, West Coast. Let me know, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Love to hear where you're listening in from. South Africa is with us this morning. I got a lot of buddies in South Africa, and a particular shout out to Austin, who gets up truly at the crap of dawn. Canada is with us. Wow, big scandals going on in Canada. Really, page six stuff. Ireland is with us this morning. Jamaica, Germany, Belgium. And whoever joins in, we'll give them a shout out as well. The Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov, who is credited with the um, beginning of Hasidic Jewry, says so simply, Before one finds Hashem, he must first lose himself. What does that mean? I'd like to know your thoughts. I have some thoughts. I remember years ago in another life as a theater student and later um, as a cast member of a relatively well-known theater company, firsthand being part of a theater company knows what the warm-up is how do you do a show for 600 shows and give each audience a fresh performance each night you get on stage and you lose yourself you groan you crawl you reinvent you recreate you become an amoeba You crawl out, you become a worm, you become a human. You do the cat, you do the dog. You unlearn everything so that instead of acting, you spend the next two hours on stage in front of a live audience 
reacting. That is how you bless the audience with a fresh show. We become porous. But we have an opportunity to find God in our daily ministrations by each day becoming nothing, renewing ourselves and becoming porous, becoming vessels, vessels for blessing, vessels for bracha, vessels for miracles. The great Hillel Fold posted on his wall this week something that I extrapolated from. And he talks about gratitude. He copied something that he saw. And I maintain that gratitude is a choice. It doesn't come naturally. Selfishness comes naturally. That baby that's born with clenched fists. Gimme, 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 gimme. And yet I look at this board and it says, your job is the dream of the unemployed. Your house, shabby, gorgeous, run down, estate-like, a tent on a half an acre is the dream of the homeless. Your smile, your matzav ruach, your good nature is the dream of the depressed. Your health is in some ways an unreachable dream of those who are sick. Let's remember together that we always have a choice and there's always something to be deeply, deeply grateful for. Gratitude, attitude, fortitude. It's all a choice. Um, let's see, we have another minute here. Came across a lovely poem, and it reminded me that not every spark of spiritual enlightenment can be found in the yeshiva hallways. It's a poem written by a poet, died recently. Her name is Mary Oliver, and the name of her poem is I Worried. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as I was, as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am well hopeless. Is my eyesight fading or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing and gave it up and took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. See you on the other side.
are so back. I was nervous that I didn't get in that poem. I really, I thought about that poem. And I'll repeat it to you as you wish. <laughs> as many times as you wish each, each. Because you know what? To me, it's the embodiment of Emuna and faith. We think we can manipulate. Manipulate outcomes. Manipulate our wants. Very often our prayers are not even pure. They're conditional. I, I, my face feels warm as I even say this to you because I'm guilty. But one thing I am not guilty of is running away from growth. I find that as I get older, I'm willing to be embarrassed, willing to look back historically and cringe but generally follow it with some laughter. By the way, I have, okay, apology, mea culpa, mea culpa. Okay, crossword clue this week. Um, I have messed up my mailing list. I was doing a monthly mailing, mailing, uh, sending out on the, um, on the internet a monthly article. Uh, generally, I publish it in the Times of Israel. I publish it on a Facebook page. But not everybody goes in and reads the Times of Israel, a Facebook page. Anyway, I have a mailing list. I have messed up my mailing list by replacing computers. And so if you would like to receive a monthly article uh, written by El Moi, send me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Put in the... Um, Put in the subject line mailing list, and I will be very happy to create a new mailing list, hopefully not mess it up again, and include you. And in the body of the text, you can tell me the story of your life, and uh, <laughs> I would love to read it, get it. Um, Rabbi Alexander Friedman retells the story of the Sforno. Relating to this week's Torah portion, this week's Torah portion is called Ra'e. Ra'e. See. Look. Watch. And what Rabbi Friedman pulls out from the Sforno is, he says, take care that you do not go after middle roaders, middle of the road, and compromises he says, behold, I have put before these two extreme opposites. This is God, God's words, a blessing and a curse. There is no alternative. You, you do not choose the path that leads to a blessing. You have, therefore, taken the path that leads to a curse. There is no middle road. I'm thinking about that. Um, I received a letter this week from a listener adorable listener who is writing to me quite a bit right now and um, listens to this show very, very carefully. I have to be careful. And he wrote to me and he said, you know, when I became, he was asking, Andrea, when you became observant, um, did you consider other streams of observance? Were you, did you consider Haredi, uh, Hasidish? Um, you know, I don't know that he, knows where I'm holding. I don't even know where I'm holding. I'll let you know. I'll ask my husband. But, um, and then he went on to say that he is modern orthodox or he's chosen modern orthodoxy. I don't remember. I don't have the note in front of me. It, um, he said, because he's too lazy. 
he feels that he's too lazy to be Hasidish or Yeshivish or Haredi. And um, I just wanted to address that a moment and say, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. First of all, labels are very, very dangerous. I have met people in uniform, in Hasidisha and Haredi uniforms, who struggle desperately with Emuna, who even Lo'aleinu struggle with whether or not there is a God in heaven. I have met those who are so holy and so lofty that I quiver at their feet from what they can teach. There are many, many lofty, learned, impacting, impactful men and women in the, quote, modern Orthodox Kipasruga world whose devotion to Torah observance and growth is incomparable. What they all have in common is adhering to and struggling with and doing their best to keep that blueprint called Torah front and center in their lives. And choosing to be a man who wears jeans and a t-shirt with his kippah, his yarmulke, does not make one less religious. Let's be careful about language. Our relationship with God is for us to deepen, to improve upon, to make more textured. And the labels are very, very dangerous. And just because somebody dresses in black and wears a strimal or wears a mini skirt and a tank top doesn't make them more or less anything. So let's be careful. Let's stop holding ourselves up um, to measuring sticks, yardsticks that really are in the world of Judaism. Lefidate, in my, in my uh, opinion really quite meaningless. Um, yeah, so when we talk about taking a stand, if we commit to a mitzvah, commit to a commandment, we don't do half Shabbos, a little Shabbos. I'm going to keep a little bit kosher. I remember so many of us listening in who are returnees to observant Judaism can remember a time where, you know, we ate Chinese food out. We had shrimp and lobster sauce with our parents in the restaurant, but our home was kosher. Or we only had shrimp cocktails, but we lit Shabbos candles. Um, the ramp, you know, in the Beis HaMikdash, going up, up to the Holy of Holies of the Beis HaMikdash, there were no steps. Take a look. Take a look in the beautiful Jewish, beautiful source books. It was a ramp. And why was it a ramp? It was a ramp. Because when you're walking up a steep ramp you must lean forward to keep your balance and you must keep going because you know what happens when you walk up a steep ramp and you decide to stop and rest you backslide remember when you hate every candidate and you do not vote 
you have voted. If you are sick, if a child or a loved one is ill, and the idea of approaching healing experts is too daunting and you decide to do nothing about it, it is tantamount to injury or even, God forbid, worse. We Jews don't do that middle of the road thing. And yeah, sometimes it is hard. Very, very hard. Okay, um, I don't have time to go into this article, but drop me a note if you'd like me to send. Fascinating article. I can't even remember where I read it. Might have been Times of Israel. It might have been something else. Israel versus Judaism. Can these two identities coexist? Written by Rabbi David Stav. And Rabbi Stav is the founder and the chair of the Tsohar rabbinical organization in Israel that recently, last five years, 10 years, really has made waves in so many corners of observant Judaism. But he actually asks the question that I have asked, are Israelis Jewish? Are observant Jews Israeli? Is this something that we struggle with? And we do see the summer of our discontent working our way into the autumn of our discontent. There seems to be a terrible, terrible chasm between the holy Jews who are living here. And the question is, what is that Jewish identity? Happy to send you that article. And uh, Todd, I hope you're listening because I'd really like your take on it. All right. Also, in our last two minutes, we just came up an article. An announcement has been made. The Tel Aviv light rail, new train opening up, mega fast, mega efficient, mega beautiful, will not run on the Sabbath, on Shabbat. And you can only imagine the secular reaction, um, the secular reaction in Israel. And I have to tell you, at first I said, gee, is that really fair? You know, there are people who don't observe. Um, and I have to say, I have to come down on the side of call a kavod to the high court of justice that said, you know what? We have to maintain a status quo. Keep a Jewish, a Jewish, what's the word? I'm looking for the, the word I want. A Jewish presence, a Jewish heartbeat. And just as we would not expect Amish people to placate us and our need for music character. Thank you. Thank you, producer. Um, we want to keep the Jewish character. And I have to tell you, they weren't bullied. And they went ahead. I'm sure the story is not over. I'm sure there's more to come. <laughs> but we will cover that. Uh, let's see. We have a lot going on. Stem cell research, shark attacks. My goodness, we have so much to talk about when we come back. Okay, when we come back, we're going to do Torah, but we're going to open up just with one thought about relationships. My name is Andrea Simintov, hopping along, and I'll see you on the other side.
Okay, we're back. Wow. Ooh, the time is flying. I was, <laughs> I was laughing that I could not come up. Just looking at this paper here. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, I could not come up with the word character. Does that ever happen to you? I think those of us who conduct our lives in two languages, or I should rather say one and a half languages, <laughs> sometimes have that. You lose a word and it is... Um, difficult. All right. I'm looking at my little notes here, my side notes, which are not actually the script of my show. Those of you who want to know, I script it out each week and we kind of go back here. But I always think of some things right before we go on the air. And um, I wanted to share with you a couple of things. First of all, Okay, I talked about the mailing list. That was very important. If you want to be on the mailing list, I'll mention it. Please drop me a note, mailing list, and um, we can be pen pals. Okay, keep your documents. Very, very important, especially for those who have intermarriage in your families. There can be a time, and I see because there are such... Um, there really are incidents here in Israel where people have to prove their Jewishness, their halachic Jewishness, their Torah-mandated Jewishness. Um, and because there's so much intermarriage in their families, perhaps they have a father who was not born to the tribe. They have a discernibly non-Jewish last name. They may not have discovered they were Jewish until they came to Israel on a... Uh, birthright. See, I'm remembering character birthright trip. And when, and they want to marry. And what happens is the rabbinate um, needs proof of Judaism. And very often the families are so assimilated, even though they are by Torah law Jewish, it becomes a terrible tircha, a terrible trial, a terrible experience for so many people to prove their Jewishness. And I actually had this incident in my own family this week where it was requested from me, me, you're listening to this, you're listening to this nasal accent, um, where one of my children needed proof of my Jewishness, my historic Jewishness, and I had all the documentation. I had it all. And a friend of mine, I think it was a client this week, told me that she actually has photographs of her parents and her great-grandparents' tombstones from um, Russia, Russo-Poland, as part of her Jewish portfolio. Ketubas, marriage contracts that go back to the year Gimel, find them, ask, look, brist certificates, and... Um, Put them somewhere. The day can come because one of the things, and today's show is really addressing that, but one of the things that I see with this struggle for struggle for a parody, struggle for a secular versus a religious state is the only thing, the only common denominator regardless of one's level of observance or non-observance, at the end of the day, making our choices from a menu that the world has offered us, a very woke menu, 
a Jewishly woke menu. Bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings and holiday celebrations that no way mirror the celebrations and the observance of our forefathers. Fine. Fun. Keep it Jew-ish. But the bottom line is the only root is Torah. There are exceptions to the rule, but the Torah is the blueprint. And so keep those documents because somewhere, someone in your family, and you never know, okay? I I wish you smooth sailing before you all come home to Israel. Okay, Jay Shetty, one of my favorite, one of my favorite former monks, his name is Jay Shetty, really good looking guy with that little neck tattoo, very, you know, he's, he's not Jewish, he can have the neck tattoo. But anyway, he he, he was quoted lately saying something. It's just so lovely. He said, stop having relationship problems with people you're not in a relationship with. And stop having friendship problems with people that aren't your friends. I think that this is a very, very important message, certainly in the world of social media. Stop having relationship problems with people who are not, you're not in a relationship with and stop having friendship problems with people that aren't your friends. Let's keep our circles small. Let's keep them deep. Let's keep them loving. And let's keep them judgment-free. Okay, this week's Parsha, Ra'e. There are a lot of things in life that appear simple. They appear logical to one person and yet remain beyond the other sta- beyond the understanding of someone else's companion. I think very often how many of us come from a family with many children and we all can sit together, the children, repeat an incident. The incident was the same. There's no discrepancy. He said, yes. She said, yes. They were sure. And yet one person, one child who went to the same school, the same synagogue, the same youth group, the same sneaker store, Their take on the incident is lighthearted, laughing, and the other one's take on the incident is painful, rage-filled, crippling. Moshe Rabbeinu, our great teacher, our Rebbe Moshe, he was blessed with this immense, he is the prophet of prophets, and he was spiritually able to communicate with heaven at will. And he saw that that mission, that Jewish life is really simple. It's overt. It's na'aseh v'nishma, to obey and to do. To get the law, respect the law, believe in the efficacy of the law, observe the law. And if you come into some kind of deeper understanding or raison d'etre for the, for the law, bully for you. But it ain't the reason. The Torah is life. It's oxygen. It's water. It's our every tomorrow. And all these rules 
and the values are, in the opinion of Moshe, clear. To him, it was clear. The choices that are presented to the people are black and white between life and death, eternity, versus fads. So in the eyes of Moshe, he became, it was, it was frustrating. I just wrote an article this week. Uh, it will come out, please God, the 1st of September in some California papers where I talk about a conversation I had, I, I had with a girlfriend. She is as far to the political left as I am far. Well, I don't see myself as all the way far to the right, but <laughs> you may beg to differ. But she finds it fascinating that I don't struggle with matters of faith, with, with my knowledge that there's a God in heaven. And I'm not, I do not take that for granted. I see it is a great, great blessing. Because for those who are excited about Judaism, Yiddishkeit, and want to learn more, but are coming from a background where they are Lowellenu atheists, and they have to be taught why God is, oh my, my heart breaks. I can't imagine the weight of those lessons. But sometimes when things come easy, when someone can sing, we cannot understand he who is atonal, tone deaf. My husband looks at math numbers. He looks, he adds up the columns, and then he gives the number. And he's always right. He's a walking calculator. And I sit like a third grader, plus sign, carry the one. And he stares at me. <laughs> he's a smart woman. I mean, I'm telling you, I could be working with an abacus. Rabbi Wine brings down, he says, you know, Oftentimes geniuses are not really the best of teachers because they can't understand why the students are so dense, why they don't understand what is so patently obvious. And in this week's Torah reading, Ra'e, see, look, and the entire book of Devarim, as it's spoken and taught by Moshe, this is an expression of Moshe's very human frustration of his clarity of what is great and holy and what is so obvious, but his inability to make others see it easily as well. And lest you think that this is the Torah section of the show and it has this clear line, we can apply it to protests in the street, to upcoming holidays, to the new Tel Aviv train line, and decisions that don't sit well with some. The Jewish people who heard the words of Moshe over 3,000 years ago in the desert, they had to appreciate, certainly better than us, they saw the miracles. They had to believe his message because they had had the experience of heavenly revelation. They had witnesses, live witnesses who had participated. Of course, they believed that their future was set. 
They didn't. Not all of them. 3,000 years later, we don't have to rely only on the prophetic advice, the words, the pleas, the explanations of Moshe Rabbeinu. We have hindsight. We can look back. We can look and we can assess those choices that were made by the Jewish people over 3,000 years of existence. We can judge where we screwed up, where we didn't listen, where we defied the heavenly voice and what it was that has allowed us to survive. Moshe, in his hindsight, but more importantly, his foresight, he knew. He looked ahead and knew our history. You'd think that we could be better at it. We had a guide. We had a human, spiritual, time-traveling ways called Moshe Rabbeinu. And yet, we have this, whether it's, it's a communal, it's a societal, it is a trait, a character trait, <laughs> to make bad choices and to ignore again and again those lucid lessons of our history. The statement of Moshe that we should see right, clearly, even today, the choices that face us and the decisions that we are bound to make, our past should teach us in which direction these decisions should go and what pitfalls we should avoid. You know, the truth of Torah and the tradition is indicated. It's crazy. We've heard it again and again. The Jewish people should not exist. I'm not talking about our enemy's opinion and their, their reasons for existence. But we ourselves, as students of history, do the math. If not a miracle, and I pray everybody listening in, get up in your day, say your moda'ani, thank you for waking, for opening up my eyes, God, and then expect his miracles. But it's insanity that we have existed. So the problem of Jewish survival and growth are very, you know, here in Israel and wherever Jews live, Jewish survival, and as I said, there's only one barometer that will ensure Jewish continuity. Only one, one guarantee. It's not going to come by compromising our values, readjusting prayer and observance to fit our modern lifestyles social mores, fads, what's in. I'll do Shabbos except for next week because it's my boat club's regatta. The world filled 
with silly ideas, screwed ideologies, political movements. Just what's happened the last two centuries with Jews. Rabbi Wine says it so succinctly. Jews need more Judaism, not less. And that the preservation of Jewish values and practices is the key to successful Jewish life and accomplishment. It's good. It's good. One small candle. One thing at a time. A couple of closing thoughts in our prep for the prep show. Isn't that cute? Prep for the prep? The Gemara comments on the words, Arser ta'aser, you shall surely tithe. What? Now she's talking about tzedakah? Now she's talking about giving? By stating, tithe in order that you become wealthy. What are we saying? If a person takes tithes, from his income. I love the word tithes. It just reminds me of all <laughs> Christian novels I used to read. Um, if a person takes tithes from his income, that is, he distributes part of his wealth to the poor and to other worthy causes, he shows, what is he showing? That he is a reliable treasurer and God will trust him with more. Similarly, with regard to Torah studies, uh -huh, of course she's going to get there. If someone proves oneself to be a reliable custodian of Torah knowledge, of Torah values, of Torah growth, and will tra transmit this knowledge to others, God will bestow even greater wisdom. As one must give at least one-tenth of one's income to to the other, surely we should be giving at least one-tenth of one's time working with others. In that vein, the comment of the Dubna Magid on the phrase in this week's Parsha, and do not feel bad when you give him, is as follows. Do not over-investigate the recipient to ascertain whether he is worthy of your donation or whether he really needs it. Give him. Give him the benefit of the doubt. And if you do, God will reciprocate by not taking a close look at your failings. Precisely because you do not ask too many questions and do not look for flaws, God will send you his blessing without scrutinizing your deeds. Shabbat Shalom Umivorach from Jerusalem. <laughs>